Hey, hey! Welcome to Tengridome, episode 25. I'm your host, Iggy. And uh, today we're going to talk about whatever the fuck. Absolutely everything and nothing in particular at the same time, because uh, I'm currently recording this episode after multiple failed attempts to catch up on Costa vs. Vittori, which I haven't watched, and uh, I really I missed fucking everything. I missed uh, Fyodor knocking out uh, Timothy Johnson, I missed uh, Costa vs. Vittori, I missed uh, whatever fights that were happening at the, at, at the time, Rico Verhoeven uh, at Glory against uh, the guy whose name I forget, the replacement for Alistair Overeem. Uh, the reason is simple. It was my birthday, so I didn't watch any fights, and I got drunk. And uh, I do not regret that decision at all, to be quite frank. And uh, this episode is going to be kind of defined by me talking about things that couldn't really hold my attention uh, for more than a couple of minutes at a time, because because uh, because of various reasons. Not the least of which uh, may be that uh, I may have undiagnosed ADHD or something. <laughs> but <laughs> just stealing Ed's valor uh, as the resident ADHD have at the fight site. The fight site is run by ADHD and founded by ADHD. So uh, this is the reason for our success. It what's, uh, it's, it's the thing that gives us power. But yeah, I, I tried uh, catching up on Costa vs. Victoria and I just couldn't fucking do it because it's uh, essentially the same two exchanges happening over and over again. And the fight overall can be summarized as uh, uh, Israel Adesanya broke Paulo Costa's entire fucking life. Paulo Costa just fucking can't get it together anymore. He's just completely fallen apart. And we've talked a lot about how uh, I think Danny Martin was uh, the most adamant supporter of uh, Paulo Costa at uh, light heavyweight. And uh, I, I guess he got his wish, uh, the monkey's paw, uh, a finger curled on the monkey's paw, and uh, Paulo Costa is now a light heavyweight, but by virtue of not... Uh, not by virtue of adapting to light heavyweight, but uh, simply by not just... just not giving a shit about his job anymore. <laughs> uh, and Vittori is, I mean, Vittori is fucking Vittori. Uh, like, uh, Vittori, I think Sriram put it best, Vittori looked like the worst fighter, the worst fighter in there, uh, but still won. And uh, it's like, uh, when Paulo Costa looks like the better fighter, like, what does that say about you, <laughs> skill-wise? And the thing that annoys me about Vittori the most is that uh, he seems like he should be a really violent, like, uh, a mid-tier knockout puncher. And that, and uh, except that he doesn't really knock out anybody, and he's a decision machine, a janky decision machine. And the reason is that he stifles his own offense so much, and his uh, punch mechanics are so ugly that he smothers his own punches so frequently that... He, they end up not hurting as much as they should. And, uh, uh, like, make no mistake. Make no mistake. Marvin Vittori should absolutely be able to fade. Should be absolutely fucking... How do you... Fucking English, man. Oh, Alright, Marvin Vittori should be fading mid-tier middleweights left and right. 
he should be able to do that. Look at, just fucking look at him. But he, but he can't, because uh, his punch mechanics are awful. And Polacosta is also like, I mean, it's a weird one because Polacosta has punching power, and he looks like he should have. Uh, he, he looks like he should punch way harder than he actually does. He's more of a clubber, you know. All the stuff that he does is more, like, attrition-based. And in this one, it was weird, because Vittori was able to push him backwards uh, right out of the gate, and I, I don't know if it's... Uh, I don't know if it's uh, Costa being concerned about his gas tank or trying his... Uh, trying the same, oh, I'm gonna fight smart type stuff that he that he's done against uh, Adesanya and got... And this is what got him knocked out against Adesanya, but... Eh... Uh, you can't really think too deeply about this fight, you know, because it's uh, it's Costa versus Vittori. Uh, trying to think too deeply about it is is uh, it's kind of a fool's errand, you know. The whole point of the matchup is that uh, it's just two slabs of meat uh, slamming into each other over and over again, and this is uh, I suppose if this is what you were hoping for, uh, you got what you wanted. Uh, you got uh, everything you could uh, could really wish for, and uh, if that's the case, and if you enjoyed the fight, then more power to you. I just couldn't get into it. I suppose this makes my analysis complete, like uh, uh, irreparably flawed, because I just haven't been able to watch the fight in its entirety without skipping the bits or just quitting halfway through. <laughs> Because this is what actually happened. I started watching the fight. I watched uh, the first three minutes, I think, of the first round uninterrupted. And then I just started started um, skipping through the fight. I started like jumping around. And if I saw a cool sequence or if I saw a glimpse of what I thought was a cool sequence, I would try and re rewind and uh, watch that. And uh, halfway through, I just gave up. And yeah, uh, what are you going to do? You like what you like. Trying to force yourself to like... Uh, to, trying to force yourself to watch things in their entirety. And, like, watch every single fight that happens. As a fight analyst, it, it, it's just... I, I, maybe it's just me. Other analysts are perfectly fine with watching tons and tons and tons of mediocre fights. But I just can't hack it. I burn out so quickly. And... Uh, yeah. That's it. <laughs> That's my analysis, I guess, of Costa versus Vittori. That's my recap. That's my, uh, I guess, that's my review. Six and a half out of ten. Uh, would not recommend. <laughs> and uh, what else happened? Fyodor uh, Fyodor knocked out uh, Timothy Johnson. Old man Fyodor. Uh, old man Fedor. Uh, how old is Timothy Johnson? I actually don't know. I actually can't recall. He is, uh... Oh, he's 36. Oh, that's... That's... Pretty... Pretty... That's still pretty young for a heavyweight. Um, so, I guess that's uh, a decent win for Fyodor at this stage in his career. It's not, like, a decent win overall if you grade it on a scale of, like, of overall goodness in MMA. 
But uh, still, it's good. It's nice to see him. If uh, if Fyodor got knocked out by Tim Johnson, and I mean, it's uh, far. It's uh, it's lo- Fyodor is long past the point uh, at which he should have retired. And uh, at this stage in his career, if he's able to knock out at least t- the Timothy Johnsons of this world, then I guess uh, he should be fine. Uh, I mean, once again, uh, it should be a good a good place to kind of call it quits right now because he's 45 already has no chin haven't had a chin for the the past what 10 maybe even 15 years (laughs) just uh, fucking further man and the takes oh my god the takes the takes that have been circulating around in the wake of uh, the further fight, and um, with uh, Daniel Cormier choosing to, in his endless wisdom, t- uh, to just share with the boundless fountain of uh, worldly wisdom that Daniel Cormier has been able to acquire during years and years of being the world's greatest gatekeeper to uh, subpar light heavyweights that couldn't hack it, that wouldn't be able to hack it against. Uh, John Jones, or, like, protecting John Jones against Rumble Johnson, has, uh, has seen fit to comment on, uh, the skill level of Fyodor Emelianenko, the, the, uh, one of the greatest athletes of all time to another great, uh, one of the greatest athletes of all time, uh, according to Daniel Comius, I'm sorry, Fyodor, but you're mediocre. Uh, if you were to join the UFC in 2009, you wouldn't stand out at all amongst any heavyweights. <laughs> Just what a bizarre statement! I, I mean, uh, Daniel Cormier does seem to be uh, the guy. He 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 does seem to be aiming for that spot, for that. Uh, that does seem to want to replace Dana White somewhere down the line. To become the new president of um, uh, of the UFC, and uh, I, I guess this is just one of those one of those uh, corporate cockroach things that that he does lately. He does them a lot lately, and uh, uh, it's been the narrative for the longest time that Fyodor is not the greatest of all time, or not as great as people think he is, because he just ha- hasn't fought in the UFC. Or that uh, all the all the pride heavyweights that moved to the UFC, oh, they they they're not as good because they got starched left and right in the UFC, and uh, like the reasons that are the stated reasons for this are many. Or oh, they just can't hack it in the cage. All the UFC heavyweights are just better, and or or it's just that the drug testing that um, has ruined them. And I guess this one. The la- the last one has a certain degree of merit. Mm, not sure about the cage comment, but I-, I guess it also could make sense. But and the second is just plain wrong. Uh, for the longest time, the UFC heavyweights uh, were like were essentially like second class citizens compared to the Pride heavyweights. The Pride is where all the good heavyweights. That's where the good heavyweights went. And uh, uh, me and Fenyu have done multiple like fight watch marathons. We would watch uh, 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 old ish fights from uh, from 
like from the early 2000s from mid to 2010 and uh, all that kind of stuff and if you watch uh, especially if you watch heavyweight and light heavyweight fights nothing fucking changed and this is another like very uh, this is another very popular argument oh the, the game just progressed I and mean, the game has grown the mma has evolved and not at heavyweight it didn't Ni- neither did uh, the game didn't evolve at light heavyweight, and the game certainly didn't evolve at heavyweight. If anything, it got fucking worse. The skill set just got worse. You, you, the striking is worse. The grappling is worse. We just have bigger, more powerful athletes now. I mean, if you look, if you watch uh, Little Knock versus uh, Shogun Two, and th- this is them already being way past the, their prime. This is them way past, and also. Another major reason why UFC, why Pride Heavyweights got sparked in in the UFC left and right, they were fucking old. They spent all this time, they spent all their primes in Pride, knocking each other out. <laughs> That's the reason. Just they were just past it. Ugh. UFC and its fucking narratives, man. But uh, what I was, where was I? Oh yeah, Shogun versus Little Nog, uh, the second fight. Uh, the one that happened in the UFC. Both shot to fucking pieces. Shogun was shot ever since... He was already shot uh, in pride. And uh, Little Nog was putting on years in the UFC as well. And he was al- already putting on years in pride. And if you look at the skill level that they display. With Little Nog's boxing. And Shogun's uh, ability to curtail Little Nog's boxing. With his kickboxing game. With his kicking. You... You just don't see that shit in uh, the more than light heavyweight division. And light heavyweight for that matter. <laughs> like Big Nog versus Heath Herring. The grappling. The grappling com- the grappling overall compared to Heath Herring and uh, compared to what Big Nog and Heath Herring were able to display. It's just it's just plain worse. <laughs> it's just worse. Do like do I think that uh, Yuri Prohaska is a way better athlete than uh, all of those names that I've just mentioned? Yes, of course. Fucking of course he is. Do I think he's a better fighter in terms of skill? No. It's not a linear scale. Uh, progression in MMA is not a linear scale. It doesn't... I mean, the average level... The, fi- the average fighter level, I suppose, progresses... Um, the average athleticism, uh, like, across the board progresses, but the standout athletes will always be standout athletes, no matter the era. And the same goes for Further as well. It goes double for Further because he used to do things that no one is able to replicate to this day, even at the lower weights, the way he game planned, the way he utilized, the way he worked in transition and uh, fucking mixed the martial arts. No one does that. I mean, there are, like, a couple names that I would uh, think uh, that uh, that's kind of approach the same level of, uh, uh, like, <clears throat> overall MMA excellence, I guess, like, which is uh, Piotr Jan and uh, uh, Alexander Volkanovsky. And that's... And the rest uh, have massive asterisks on top of them, uh, uh, on top of their names. Like Khabib Nurmagomedov, specialist. Uh, 
Max Holloway, specialist, also relies on his attributes a lot. Both rely on their attributes a lot. And I mean, relying on your attributes at the highest level is kind of necessary. But also, there is a fine line between relying on them, getting by your attributes, and leveraging your attributes in, a, in an intelligent way. And also, there's like a ton of nuance. I'm not saying that Max Holloway just uh, is essentially just a chin and a gas tank, but a lot of ex a lot of his game is predicated on him being Max Holloway, being basically kind of, you know, invincible with an endless gas tank. Uh, you, you get the idea. I've talked about this over and over again on the podcast and uh, all the panels that we've had. We've talked about this uh, at the fight side. For a while now, we've uh, we we've restated and we've uh, revisited the same talking points for a couple of years now. Uh, if you're a repeat listener, you should be you should know what what I'm talking about. And if you're a new listener, then just go back and listen to all the shit that I've recorded over the years. Uh, okay, fuck again. Where was I? What I was talking about? Jesus. Oh yeah, the, the dumb takes, uh, like uh, Fyodor and uh, the ridiculous takes surrounding Fyodor. Uh, I mean, just to quote directly, Daniel Cormier said that Fyodor Emelianenko would have been average at best had he come to the UFC in two thousand nine. Let me make one thing clear. One thing, this one thing. Fyodor Emelianenko would have made DC puke his fucking guts out. If you go back and watch Fyodor, even 2009 Fyodor, who was pretty bad already by then, he was still a massive body puncher and body kicker. <laughs> Remember the one weakness that Daniel Cormier has? The one chink in his armor? Like... Daniel Cormier is overall an incredibly, like, an absurdly, disgustingly durable fighter. But there is one thing, there is one little thing that he dislikes the most, that he fucking hates. And that's body punching, and that's the body attack. Yeah, and people talk about how DC would wrestle Fyodor Emelianenko, and uh, I mean, fucking come on. <laughs> Just, oh, Daniel Comey is uh, an Olympian, and uh, like, f f uh, just uh, DC never really wrestled anyone decent in MMA. Really, uh, John Jones and Stipe Miocic have uh, made it abundantly clear that for Daniel Cormier to be able to wrestle you, he either has to have an enormous athletic advantage. Or you have to suck at wrestling. I'm sorry, but if you go back and watch his fights, that's that's true. That is the truth. Thing is, Daniel Cormier has struggled with a geriatric Anderson Silva, a middleweight. And uh, people always point to how uh, Daniel Cormier was able to ragdoll, uh, <clears throat> was able to ragdoll Henderson. Like, yeah, totally, throwing a Triassic-era Hendersaur around and getting stalled by a geriatric Sylvie is what I'd call Olympic-level wrestling. Uh, 
I mean, the sport is ripe with recency bias in general, and people will. will and uh, I'm betting. Uh, I bet that uh, this podcast is going to get a bunch of commenters who do, are going to like sh- shriek about, uh, are going to um, cry and piss their pants about me being biased against Daniel Komi purely because Fyodor Emelianenko is Russian. Uh, like I, I do not identify as a Russian, first of all. <laughs> I'm not even fucking Russian ethnic- ethnically. I'm just a Russian citizen. That that's two very, very, very different things. You'd know this if you followed me for any length of time, and you know what I think about uh, this whole thing. Let's leave it at that before I get gulagged. Uh, just the guy who outstruck Crocop is gonna struggle with DC. Yeah, sure, sure. And there were even wilder fucking statements. <laughs> like, Deontay Wilder tier <laughs> delusion. <laughs> Just one guy was like... Uh, uh, there was this one guy who talked about how uh, Fyodor would be better than average, but uh, he would uh, lose to Stipe. Uh, Stipe. Alright. Okay. This is possible. DC. Disagree vehemently. Gano, okay, I guess, maybe. Gun, fucking no. <laughs> and Curtis Blades would would beat him handily. Like Curtis Blades, Curtis fucking Blades. Ah, oh, Jesus. Ah. It's just the follow up to the statement was even like crazy. I'm just basically just looking up ridiculous fucking. Uh, comments that were left by people who do not watch MMA and I i mean I guess sure you shouldn't watch MMA but when you talk about if you don't watch MMA then you shouldn't talk about MMA for fuck's sake like there was this guy who was like uh, tried to break down Fyodor Emelianenko's game like he was active and concise with his hands but he didn't faint or set traps his grappling was excellent, but his offensive wrestling was only slightly above average by today's standards. I think these all these guys could beat, beat him on the feet or control him on the ground for uh, for ground and pound. Didn't faint! Fyodor Emelianenko didn't faint and didn't set traps. Ugh. Uh, 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 you know what? I'm done with this topic. This is dumb. This this is fucking stupid. This is just only this is th- this is only killing my neurons. Basically, getting mad about this whole thing. Uh, like this is so it's such an incredibly common, but also s- an incredibly uh, like flawed arguments, like, uh, like, just like in every sport today's athletes are bigger, faster, and stronger with, uh, and uh, are a lot more skilled. And just like every sport, that's 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 not the case in all other sports either. You know, <laughs> like elite athletes are always going to be elite. That's the whole thing about elite athletes. If you go back and watch. Fucking Sugar Ray Robinson 
do, if you go away thinking that Sugar Ray Robinson wouldn't be able to hang in modern boxing, then you should get your fucking eyes checked or maybe find a different hobby. That's literally it. Just stop right there. <laughs> stop right there, criminal scum! You have violated the law! And the law is that you shouldn't say stupid shit. You shouldn't say shit about the thing you don't know shit about unless you've spent at least some time studying it. People always ask me, Oh, Iggy, how you how you were able to become like a fight analyst? How what should one do to become a fight analyst? What I did was to shut up, shut my fucking mouth for two years, and do nothing but watch fights and study other people's analysis. And then and only then when I was just basically halfway sure that I'm not gonna say anything stupid. I started conversing with people who are smarter than me, or at least people who are more knowledgeable than me uh, in terms of understanding fighting. Th that's all you have to do, basically. But, I mean, this is social media. Social media is designed in such a way to encourage people to speak before they think. And uh, I think it's more, it's like this whole cultural thing. It's become a whole cultural thing to seek engagement. Any engagement is always good engagement. Like, getting ratioed is no big deal. As long as you're getting, like, notifications on your phone. As long as your tweet has blown up, then you're doing great. Alright. Need to caffeinate further. Uh, recording this, uh, basically, I just woke up, and then I uh, jumped behind my jumped behind my desk sat uh, in front of my computer and started ranting <laughs> oh. be right back and I'm back what a wonderful what a what a wonder fucking what a wonderful invention the pause button <laughs> alright uh, where was I well uh, basically I've run out of topics to talk about. I mean, I guess I could. <clears throat> I guess I could uh, go deep into the into the whole uh, thing and like break down Fedor Emelianenko. But I mean, it's been done already. It's been done by many people before, and I guess I could add my per my own personal spin on the, what I think about Fedor's uh, style and his legacy and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I mean, uh, uh, I, I think you know what. I may just uh, call Dan Albert and uh, call Hacks, maybe call Kyle McLaughlin, and like uh, do a whole case study on Fedor Emelianenko with like uh, just a an in-depth sort of thing, kind of like what we what we've done with Tyron Woodley, but this time about you know an like an all-time great fighter. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's really just not much to talk about. I mean, the whole, uh, like, recently, uh, uh, instead of, uh, where am I going with this? What do I want to say? Hang on, I'm trying to think of a good segue uh, for, to, to, uh, for good, uh, um, like transition to to transition to the topic I actually want to talk about. Um, 
Oh yeah, I talked about punch mechanics earlier in the episode, and uh, I talked about how Marvin Vittori is uh, hurt by having like janky, by by stifling his own offense and stifling his own punches. And uh, Fyodor Emelianenko is a weird one because his uh, punching form is always like people always talk about how he would always throw these weird casting hooks. And thing is, he still transfers a lot of weight into those punches. And uh, you just, you only have to watch the recent knockout of uh, of uh, the, the video of him knocking out Timothy Johnson to understand, uh, like, just how powerful his punches are. And he's still fast, too. Like, short, he's short to pieces. Short to absolute fucking pieces. Just everything about, everything that made him the special fighter is gone except the speed i mean it's faded a little bit it's still there and with that kind of speed and that kind of power i mean you could like the the heavyweight division is so shit that you could reasonably slot you could reasonably try and match make uh, fyodor with uh, other ufc heavyweights and he he would he's liable to end up in the in top 10 at, at the very least it's just Kind of hilarious to think about. And then you go back and watch his earlier fights and realize that he used to be even faster. <laughs> like, I mean, I guess that that's the one area where DC would have been able to hang in there with, uh, uh, with Fyodor, uh, which is speed. Because DC was also outrageously fast, but... Uh, in, in when it comes to skill, he wasn't as skillful. Like, not not by a long shot. Like the clinch exchanges could have been fun, and uh, I mean, yeah, I guess uh, DC could land a couple bus driver uppercuts in, uh, from single color tie, but then Fedor would just shuck him off and go like, okay, and then take his fucking head off. Uh, because DC hasn't really fought anyone who's uh, not, like any good in the clinch, and the clinch is where Fyodor excelled. And John Jones made it abundantly clear that uh, if you're better than DC in the clinch, then you should be able to get, to handle him handily. Uh, but uh, I've had enough of this topic, really. I'm kind of sick of it. Uh, I guess there is a, a more in-depth discussion about this whole thing is warranted. Uh, the, the whole... There are a, bu- a whole bunch of myths that uh, need to be busted at some point or another, but not today. Today is a, a solo ranty episode. Uh, I like having these back-to-basics episodes, uh, like splice them in between the all the topical discussions that uh, I do with guests. Uh, now, Punch Mechanics is a weird one. Uh... Most people's idea of how to punch comes from movies, and in movies uh, and uh, I guess TV shows, there is uh, there is a particular way in which they teach uh, stuntmen and actors, by extension, uh, to to strike. Because if you throw a a, um, a mechanically correct a proper punch, it won't look as good on camera. Or at least they think it wouldn't look as good on the camera because I'm pretty sure if you were if you were to choreograph a fighting in such a way where all of the strikes were thrown 
uh, with proper mechanics, then the fighting could have been much more could could end up being much more interesting than what you usually see. But either way, that's why you see uh, characters in movies throw these wide arcing swings, or just throw clotheslines instead of uh, proper hooks. You 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 often see these uh, this and. Um, you see this particularly often in uh, Hong Kong cinema. Like, for example, if you watch a Jackie Chan movie, instead of jabs, he throws these back fists. And instead of, instead of hooks, he throws these clotheslines with this whole arm, like with a, with a straight arm swinging from the shoulder. And the reason for that is that, that it just, uh, the, it, it's more visible on camera. And since people don't really understand much about fighting, on average... Uh, to them, it still looks good. It looks more interesting than a than a, a mechanically proper punch. And uh, the shows that try, I've I've recently watched. Um, I've recently tried watching a, a Korean series on Netflix. Uh, well, not on Netflix. I I, I fucking stole it from uh, from torrents because I'm not gonna pay for Netflix. Suck my dick. Sue me. Uh, yeah, it's called My Name. It's uh, about an undercover police. It's it's a weird premise. Uh, a girl who is uh, trained by her father, who is uh, I guess has ties with the Korean mob, and is killed. And she, as revenge, she gets recruited by Korean mafia and then trained in martial arts and uh, like uh, edged weaponry and all that kind of stuff. And then, and then. She goes undercover as a police officer to try and find the killer of her father. Um, yeah, and the the whole thing is that it's a it's it's a it's it's a small girl running around beating everyone's ass, and uh, some of the fight scenes are very well made, especially the ones that's uh, where she has some kind of weapon, some kind of edged weapon or like a, at least a baton in hand. And whenever it's it's just her straight up fighting other guys, it just looks horrible. It looks abysmal. And whoever taught her, like kickboxing, uh, that's what I assume she trained in. Either that, or uh, because she didn't doesn't re- really use taekwondo techniques, uh, unlike some of the other actors in the show. And uh, what she is being taught uh, in um, during her mafia days is explicitly based on MMA. It's She's explicitly being taught MMA. And she's being taught all the... just the most... the stupidest, the most bullshit, pointless meme strikes that are that there are in MMA. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's inevitable that the movie industry... That, that this is what the movie industry will latch on to. They're not gonna study what makes for good MMA. They're gonna take all the flashy... All the flashy stuff that uh, you, you usually see in MMA and implement that in their choreography. I mean, I guess there was one uh, really good sequence in one of the episodes where she was training. Uh, it's 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 like a a mafia ritual, like uh, like some kind of like the blooding thing that they do, where they gather a bunch of people and they kick the shit out of each other, and the one who's who remains standing is the, the one who gets inducted or something. Something like that. Some kind of like mafia ritual. All right, and she knocks out the last guy with a with like a a one two into a spinning elbow setup, which is uh, actually actually works pretty well and makes a lot of sense for someone her size. 
But whenever she's shown hitting the bag, or just boxing, it looks fucking atrocious. <laughs> and uh, teaching proper punch mechanics isn't that hard, even if the, the person you're teaching them to is like woefully uncoordinating. All it takes is a bunch of guided uh, heavy bag sessions. And she like hits, uh, she does all the most common mistakes. She, she hits the bag from like, uh, for, from like a half a meter away, stifling all her own punches. And she, she punches like Marvin Vittori. Or I guess Marvin Vittori punches like a small Korean girl. I don't know. But like, eh. I guess most of the uh, fight, fight sequences are, um, the chore choreography for them is uh, as far as, uh, the movie industry goes they're very well made but all the Netflix uh, cliches and uh, staples I guess uh, that um, have been implemented over the years by Netflix like it just it just looks like a random Netflix show and it kind of like takes takes away from the action a bit I think the lighting is really really good it kind of reminded me of uh, uh, Night Comes For Us the Indonesian movie like all the, all the stark contrasting lighting and like that creates this really like moody but nonetheless really like energetic atmosphere it's really cool but the way it's filmed it's uh way way too netflixy for me because i've seen a whole bunch of netflix shows where there's fighting involved and all the fight scenes like just fucking look the same and i guess this is an in-house decision this is a uh, an executive decision to film all fight scenes the same way. It's kind of like, uh, like, uh, like a, a, ca a camera following the character around from the back, and then it kind of sort of like moves around them, shows them from the front, and then it moves back uh, behind them again to make uh, to create this uh, uh, this uh, sense of an unbroken shot. And obviously, there also there's also the single take scenes that kind of kind of kind of overstay their welcome they they've overstayed their well their fuck they have overstayed their welcome a bit lately you know because uh, um choreographing single take shots is uh, a tremendous amount of work and after a certain point you most people just give up and go oh that's that's good enough and it leads to scenes where you can see like it leads to things like people getting knocked out with like uh, like uh, telekinetic, telekinetic kicks, you know, like the force kick that <laughs> that uh, Luke Skywalker knocked out a guy in uh, Return of the Jedi, uh, knocked out a guy with in Return of the Jedi. Uh, this is what happens. Um, but uh, I wasn't able to finish the show because the pacing is just horrendous. The whole, I mean, the pacing in Netflix shows is kind of, like, really, really fucking bad in general. Uh, I, I can't seem to recall a single, a single Netflix show where I wasn't, uh, didn't find myself skipping through some, through, through some of the scenes. Even Daredevil, which is a really good show, uh, I guess a, a decent show, like, uh, if you... Subjectively, uh, personally, I really liked some of the moments in there. But objectively, if you look at it from a like a from a storytelling perspective and from all the uh, like cinematic scruples type thing, 
Uh, it's uh, it's not that good. Uh, and uh, some of the things in there, the pacing is just objectively garbage. Uh, I've tried watching Altered Carbon uh, because I'm a fan of the books. And first of all, the books are way, way better. You should just read the books instead of watching the show. And once again, the pacing is just absolutely atrocious. Especially in episodes like... It's a common thing. In episodes, let's say, from 4 to 6, usually, the pacing just nosedives. It's just... The, the whole thing slows to a fucking crawl. The same thing happened in uh, My Name. And the same thing happened in Squid Games. Squid Games, another show... Uh, uh, like To quote my friend... Uh, to quote my real-life friend, I haven't watched Squid Games, but I'm fucking sick of it already. <laughs> and that's kind of the common occurrence whenever something goes viral, I guess. But visual design, great, no complaints about it. I guess sort of like kind of, kind of on the nose with all the PlayStation signs that they use. Uh, the plot... Uh, kind of like six and a half out of ten, maybe seven out of ten, I guess. Uh, the it's it's not a new concept, hunting the most dangerous game, all that kind of stuff. Uh, people like talking about how this this sort of a plot is more relevant than ever. It's not more relevant than ever. It's just relevant because nothing fucking changed. <laughs> I guess uh, I think Jay Bowman, uh, Jay Bauman, uh, from Red Letter Media said this about uh, what was it? There was there was a recent review that he's done. I you know it doesn't matter. But yeah, the same the same basic Netflix problems. The editing, the Netflix editing that that's um, that is annoying at times. Uh, the the pacing is a big one. Netflix shows Netflix shows are paced horribly, on average, just across the board. Don't get me started on fucking Punisher. Like Netflix managed to ruin the fucking Punisher. How do you manage to do that? Like trying to cram the same Netflix formula, like uh, an overarching plot that you meant. And that making a show that is meant to be to to be binged, uh, it just doesn't work for the Punisher. All this government conspiracy stuff. I guess yeah, sure, guards, Ennis's uh, run dealt with some of that, but it started and concluded very quickly. It it was paced uh, like it it was all packed very densely. It wasn't like spread out. It wasn't. All most Netflix shows have. Um, have enough plot in there for, let's say, five, maybe even four episodes. And then it gets stretched out. The Punisher and Daredevil, Daredevil by extension, had a plot that would uh, fill, like, maybe six really good, dense episodes. And it was stretched out to 13. Squid Games, like, five, six games... Each episode is a new game. We didn't really need all the returning home type stuff that was in there. Uh, and it would have made for a much sharper, crisper show. Much sharper, crisper pacing. 
uh, if it were done uh, the way I suggested. And the Punisher, uh, coming back to the Punisher, it's just, it's the one thing that, it's, I'm just so pissed off about it. I'm so disappointed. Uh, because uh, the way that Punisher was portrayed in Daredevil was just kind of got me hooked. And I think it was one of the finest comic book portrayals in a while. And uh, and then it's just turned into this mush. Uh, there is a cuck subplot where Punisher kidnaps Micro and uh, like ties him down in front of a in front of a, a bunch of screens in, in like his own bat cave, and then makes him watch like as he comes to his wife's house and goes like. Uh, like oh, I heard you need some. I heard some of the some of your pipes need cleaning, huh? Like, and Micro is there. No, don't clean my wife's pipes. Ah! He's like, like uh, sitting like. Ah! No, don't cock me, Punisher. And the Punisher is like uh, helps his son like clear a very difficult level in like a video game. Uh, repairs like the coffee machine uh, that helps them with cable uh, the fucking boy scene the, the one where Pun the Punisher just plays ball with the kid for like half an hour uh, just atrocious ridiculous who wants to see this? who thought this was a good idea? this whole thing with humanizing the Punisher you don't need to fucking humanize the Punisher like like make a human connection the whole point of the Punisher is that there is no human connection he's fucking dead inside all he does is just go from criminal to criminal like go from neighborhood to neighborhood and kill all the criminals in there that's it what you should have done was make an episodic show uh, it's like it's like the classic 90s formula like the 80s formula like a knight errant walking the earth like the Punisher uh, riding around in his SUV, like he, he oh he's heard uh, he's caught wind of a certain cartel working um, specializing in human trafficking around the uh, Mexico the U.S. Mexico border, and uh, the Punisher is on his way there. That's the overarching plot for the, I guess, you know, for for the first three three episodes, and the Punisher get like. If you need a filler episode, the Punisher gets stuck in a small Arizona town because the Punisher saw, um, uh, like, he stopped to at the gas station and then he saw that uh, the local, the locals are being harassed by, uh, uh, like, a gang, a vicious gang of, uh, I don't know, uh, like, petty, like it's a petty protection racket, and so he stops. If you absolutely need to humanize him a bit, then he just stops at a motel, and the the the, the motel staff tries to socialize with him, and he just doesn't, he just won't, but he helps them out, like uh, the the he runs uh, and the fight scenes, they they're trying to cram in the same that they've tried to cram in the same Netflix type fight scenes where like oh it's so vicious and so visceral oh the Punisher gets beat up and he yells a lot and then he uses. Uh, everything that uh, he get, can can get his hands on to win the fight, and I guess it it's fine, it has its place. But the Punisher just generally it's not what the Punisher is. Generally, what he does is is that he uses military precision to scout out his opponents, and then he just shoots them all. 
And this is what she, he should do from episode to episode. Oh, he runs recon, finds the lair of the bad guys, and then he fucking shoots everyone, then blows them up. And it would make for a fine show. It would be fine. It's okay. Uh, fucking Netflix, man. What was this show about again? Was this... Uh, did, uh, uh, was this something about Comet Sports Analysis, or like... I don't fucking even know. <laughs> uh, I guess this is just a sign that I've, like, basically ran out of things to say about anything. Uh, I guess there is this, um... There's the UFC this weekend. The UFC card this weekend, which, uh... Uh, UFC 267... Uh, the main event is Jan Blakovic versus Glover Teixeira. The co-main is, of course, Petr Jan versus Corey Sanhagen. <laughs> Islam Makhachev, Dan Hooker. Alexander Volkov, Marshan Taibura. The Leech versus Hamza uh, Chimaev, Magomed Ankalaev versus Volkan Ozdemir. And the Rimbus, the prelims are prelims. You know, I could have, I could have previewed this card. Instead of doing what I was doing for the past 30 minutes. <laughs> uh, uh, you know what? Fuck it. I guess uh, Fenya and Dan Albert are going to do one, another, one of the, uh, another one of their uh, full previews where they break down every single matchup on the card. And they just don't have the patience for it, as you may have noticed. <laughs> and uh, there's going to be a Staff Picks article. On the card, and if you like, uh, and if you're dying to know my thoughts on the card, then I guess just subscribe to our Patreon at the five dollar tier, and uh, hop into our Discord so you can pester me with your questions about uh, matchups I don't care about. <laughs> Mate, don't 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 get me wrong. This is a this is a really good card, and uh, and I would like to catch it live. Uh, not sure if I'll be able to because it's also my best friend's b birthday. Um, I'll figure something out. Maybe even hop in for to do the alternate commentaries. Haven't done that in a while. I uh, wanted to do alternate commentary for Tyson Fury vs. Wilder 3 and uh, sort of forgot about it because in the moment because I started watching the fight and then when the fight started it was like uh, it like blew my socks off, and I couldn't. I I guess I couldn't. Wouldn't be able to comment anything besides being, besides making ooh and ah noises. So it's fine. Uh, yeah. So look forward to all that stuff. Look for. I guess look forward to my new series where I uh, review. Uh, review movies that have fight scenes in them, which is 99% of them. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm not going to fucking review movies. I've done that. I've I've uh, I've been a pop culture blogger for, what was it, five, maybe six years before I started doing this and just got so sick of it. Everything is just the same. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this weird little... Fucking uh, an entire an an uh, 
And now a long tangent of an episode. <laughs> if you stop listening to Tangredome after this one, then I don't blame you one bit. Alright, I've done all the plugs. Subscribe to our Patreon, to check out the... Uh, uh, the fight site uh, Dan Albert has been recently uh, has recently started republishing some of this some of his articles that he uh, first wrote on his blog his personal blog and the latest one is a, a breakdown a detailed um, uh, breakdown of uh, Peter Jan versus uh, Jimmy Rivera highly recommend you check that one out uh, it's uh, the fight site.com so subscribe to our Patreon to get access to all the alternate commentary and the um, three-rounders marathons that me and Fenny have recorded. And uh, subscribe to at the $5 tier to g gain access to our Discord once again. And we've also recently, very recently, we've um, released uh, uh, a, uh, a jiu-jitsu instructional on uh, the gooseneck style of guillotine. It's uh, a very useful technique. That, uh, that even like both novices and advanced students would benefit from this technique like immensely. Uh, it's um, you can purchase it for sixty bucks uh, through PayPal. Uh, the links um, the links should be provided uh, to, on our Twitter account. It's I think it's uh, uh, the pinned tweet. The pinned tweet. Uh, you can also subscribe at the fifty the fifty dollar tier on our Patreon. And get get the gain access to the instructional this way, and then you can always like sort of bump your subscription. You can bump bump your subscription to for fuck's sake. You can lower your tier to pay less money uh, after you've downloaded the instructional, and then gain access to all the shit that we've put out over the years. There you go. Finally, all right, we are done. <laughs> <laughs> Enough of this mess. This has been Tengridome episode twenty-five. Uh, you, uh, le... bye. I guess. <laughs> Tune in next time to listen to me rant about video games for uh, one hundred and twenty minutes. Cheers. <laughs>